Hi, my name is Mikkel Snyder. My PSN is Chimeric Notion. My battle net is Chimeric, plus some numbers I can never remember off the top of my head. And my clanmates call me Chim. This episode comes off the heels of the raid marathon I did with the folks over at Black Nerd Problems. We managed to complete free raids in about 8 hours and some change. Uh, we got stuck a little quarter into the, the fourth raid, which in all honesty was fair because we were just physically exhausted. And this episode comes before the PC beta for Destiny 2, which I managed to snag a code for thanks to the miracle that is Twitter. So this episode will be a recap of my feelings about all of the different raids, and talking a little bit about, you know, PC life, now that I actually have a laptop and I've been doing just a tad bit more PC gaming than usual. Uh, welcome to a podcast without lights. I think the longest I've ever played Destiny in a single sitting was either yesterday when we attempted doing the Quartet of Destiny 1 raids, or when Wrath of the Machine first came out, uh, around this time last year, ironically enough. Uh, I spent about 8 hours sort of at max capacity uh, both times, and they were very different experiences because one was a learning uh, situation and one was a uh, do you remember all of this situation. And both of the times sort of represent the highlight of Destiny where when you are with a good bunch of people, you can play for hours on end. So we're gonna talk about each of the four Destiny 1 raids uh, just in brief detail over the next couple of segments just to, to get some feelings out and to appreciate how cool the design and aesthetic is for everything. Uh, this isn't really a review, a deep analysis, this is just me saying, you know what? Destiny 1 was awesome, and I'm finally done to... <laughs> finally done, I think. Um, I could probably be convinced to go back. I, I'm kind of weak-willed in that manner, but... Um, I think after you complete three consecutive raids, uh, you sort of realize, it's sort of like, maybe, maybe we're done here. Maybe, maybe there's nothing else to really challenge ourselves with. So... With that up, that said, I should say, uh, let's talk about Walls of Glass. Vault of Glass was the first Destiny raid. It was released about a week after launch, and it is what saved the game in many players' minds. If you had a regular crew that could uh, run the raid with you, you fell in love with the game pretty hard. And if you did not, or just had really bad luck off of LFG sites, um, the game sort of lost its appeal. And I didn't play Vault of Glass up until the Dark Below expansion. Um, I was really just getting used to first person shooters back, back in the day. Um, and I was just really content playing the Crucible. Um, I had a 
Defender Titan with a universal mode and no backup land. And I just really liked playing Control. I thought playing Control was a lot of fun. I enjoyed Strikes a lot, and I didn't really need to be anything uh, greater than the level 26 that I had. Um, once I got the chance to play Vault of Glass the first time after reading and watching enough videos about it, uh, it sort of changed what I thought Destiny was about. Because Destiny suddenly became like, there was this really challenging content, there was this really difficult content that is available and right there. And it was really cool. The aesthetics of the Vault of Glass are perhaps some of the best in any game that I've played. And venturing into the depths of Venus is really an experience unlike any other in gaming. Uh, when you see all of the machines come from the corners of space and time to try to end you, it's, it's horrifying and it's also like adrenaline inducing in a lot of ways. I don't think Vault of Glass is my favorite raid. Um, I think I appreciate it the most though. I feel like it really hit the balance between like experience and mechanical difficulty. And I feel like the gear and the armor is still like the best that has ever existed in, in the game. Um, but the last two raids that we'll be talking about uh, are the ones that I find myself more personally fond of. But before we talk about that, why don't we talk about uh, the raid that was the bane of my existence for a very long time, and still is, uh, Crota's End. Crota's End was the raid that came with the first expansion of Destiny 1, The Dark Below. And this was focused on the Hive, which are these sort of insectoid dark magic users in, in Destiny's universe. Um, I enjoyed the story mode, I was still a solo player back then, and I wanted to try to be like relevant, so to speak. I wanted to to experience the the raids as it was happening um, and this was enabled thanks to some of the decisions that they made with the vendors by letting us get to level 31 with gear um, so that made it a lot easier to gain access to the endgame content i still did not play uh crota's end until a couple weeks after it had launched um, and I really didn't start like seriously doing it until I had leveled up to 32 through a combination of uh, Iron Banner gear and an exotic helmet. Crota's End uh, isn't as fun for me, even in its newest iteration, which is a lot more fun than its original one. Um, but Crota's End is something that felt a lot more linear, it feels a lot shorter, and it's a very frustrating raid to do sometimes. Um, the Abyss is one where I've never really had a, a complete run through where everyone made it until the very end. Um, totems, I still remember when only everyone knew how to like cheese it and no one knew how to actually do totems, but 
it was the only way that I actually knew how the encounter goes because I read the guides rather than getting the first-hand experience of, um, you know, walking through things very slowly. And, you know, Crota itself is something very frustrating. Sword-bearing is still, like, one of those, like, difficult memories that you have or just, like, we would have got this if people were listening or paying attention or something. And having a good sword bearer really made or break a war on. Now, I will say I am thankful for Crota's End for one particular reason, or two, I should say. Um, and that reason was that was the raid that uh, the Jacksonville Nades got our flawless raider trophy with. Um, after about 25 minutes, uh, we breezed through everything pretty quickly, and we did it right before the Age of Triumph update went live, and that's how we met our latest addition to our little uh, network, and if nothing else, I owe Crota's End that, but when you look at Crota's End, and you look at Skolas, which is probably like the mechanically most difficult fight in the game, but also the most rewarding and the one I never went back to. Um, Crota End is sort of lackluster, and Skolas, um, just as a brief mention, um, was a great fight, and it it's one of the best memories I have and one of the achievements, but good lord, that was stressful back in the day. Um, and then we had a little bit of a lull before we get to our next raid, which was King's Fall. King's Fall uh, was released way back in 2015. It comes off of the Taken King expansion, which introduced a big change up to the world at large. We were still in the Destiny 1 sandbox, but everything had sort of fundamentally been changed. Uh, we had three new subclasses, we had a new leveling system, we had a story, and for me, what was the biggest change was that I had people to play with regularly. Uh, the 100 group had become the Traveler's Vindicators, and it was, it was good times, and None of us really were confident enough in our abilities in the game at the time to, like, ask off for uh, the raid release because we just didn't have the ability to invest in it as we thought we needed to. Um, but we did manage to play the raid a couple days later. This was the earliest that we had ever really done it and we managed to get all the way through Golgoroth, not Golgoroth, but we, we got to Golgoroth in the, the midpoint of the raid. And it was, it was challenging, and it was a lot of fun. Um, but King's Fall, in a lot of ways, was the raid that sort of defined the group for a very long time, because it was the raid that we spent the most time with, and it was the one that always was relevant the entirety of year two. So going through it with my clan like go was like how we bonded in a lot of different ways. Uh, King's Fall is the most mechanically demanding out of all of the raids 
and it's probably my favorite in in that respect because there is little margin for error and when you do things right it just goes smoothly and flawlessly and king's fall also deserves a mention because it was how i met uh the black nerd problems groove and by met i mean i knew the raids really well and I was watching the stream after met, meeting them in person and was sort of like, hey, you want to tag me in? And they did. And from there, I started a great friendship with all of them and it's been a lot of fun playing with them. Um, we would raid, you know, once a week. And it's, it's really interesting seeing how jokes and communities develop over time. And it's really fascinating seeing that happen while you're shooting space aliens trying to do some evil space magic to you. Um, yeah, King's Fall is how I shifted from just being like someone who liked the game to someone who loved the game. And by the time the Taken King neared its end, I realized that I wanted more. And good lord, I was gonna get more when Destiny Year Free came out and Wrath of the Machine was around the corner. Wrath of the Machine, uh, to date, is the only raid that I ever played the day of. Um, and it was a really big spectacle with me and my clan. Uh, we were planning for it pretty much nigh incessantly leading up to the Rise of Lion release and it was the best experience I think I've had in Destiny just from like sheer unadulterated joy that followed from it. Um, Wrath of the Machine is probably the best experience in a game in, in Destiny in, from my perspective anyway. It is a very kinetic raid. It is a raid that does not limit you to any particular loadout to be uh, useful or effective. The standard uh, scout sniper uh, machine gun loadout uh, works, and that's great, but there was a lot more flexibility for things like pulse rifles and fusion rifles. Shotguns had a big uh, play in some encounters, and swords ended up being the MVP for various parts of the raid. Um, the progression leading up to uh, Rise of Iron and Wrath of the Machine was a, a struggle to say the least. They had changed how they did the leveling system so you only got one or two points per activity that you did and it made progressing very slowly at first. Um, and when the light level for the raid is already so high from the original departure, it was frustrating preparing for the raid and it made doing the raid more difficult. And this is coming from someone who wasn't able to play like 12 hours a day, um, like some of the other people who, who get paid to do this for a living, whereas I'm just a fan. And I understood that, but it doesn't make that any less frustrating when you have people exceeding the max light at the time going into the raid. Because, you know, taking more damage does prevent you from learning things as fast. But going in blind was the most fun I think I've ever really had. Um, getting a chance to run voltages and 
Slay Vosik was just really incredible in a lot of different ways. And it was at that point that like my friends and I decided like we're gonna be doing this. We're taking this seriously now. Wrath uh, of the Machine is also home to one of the greatest quests in video games uh, of the Outbreak Crime. And the fact that I remembered all of my binary from my digital logic class uh, still haunts me to this day because I opened the the monitor room in in the server room way too many times, and it was great. There was very things. There were very few things as satisfying as down, downing access after finally coordinating everyone into position to get everything done. And even though I don't have nearly as many completions on Raffling Machine as I do King's Fall, um, the gear and the weaponry that I got from it is definitely like some of my favorite in gaming. The, the nanotech aesthetic is, is mine and I'm looking forward to it. And I also think I just like the Fallen more as an enemy, especially the Sifa fight Fallen. And to this day, Bossek Phase 1 on Hog Mode remains the most challenging encounter that I feel like I get to struggle through every time because damn, <laughs> those ads will not make your life easy on you. Um, but it was a good raid to end on. It showed you that a raid did not need to be long to be challenging and it showed sort of a departure from the usual raid mechanics, so it's exciting looking forward to Destiny 2 and wondering what they think. The greatest design success of Destiny 1 was not its four raids, even though those are very impressive achievements and they deserve to be lauded in all ways, shapes, and forms. Um, they are challenging content that really make you feel like you've earned it. The rewards that you get from the end. But as as I've talked about many times, and will continue to talk about many times, the greatest design success in Destiny has been its ability to, for every Tuesday for almost two years, uh, convince me and a couple other people to sit down on our couches turn on our PS4s and log into this universe and play with each other. Um, Destiny is a social game. Destiny has replaced a poker, nuts, poker Nights a very long time ago. I still make typos even when I'm speaking. That, that's just fantastic. Um, but yeah, it's a social game and all of my friends are on the PS4 and it's, it's been great. And it's going to be interesting going into the PC beta, um, because I don't think I'm going to be getting it for the PC. I don't have the time to grind out uh, three more additional characters, but I still want to try it out, largely because I want to fix. Um, but if I had more friends on the PC, if I had less friends on the PS4, if I wasn't so invested in everything that I had built on the PS4, um, who knows? I know a lot of people like the idea of unlimited frames and 4K definitions and whatnot, but I'm just excited to have new content to play after three years. Um, going through throw raids back to back to back, um, 
really makes you appreciate the fact that we're getting something new soon, and that's... That's something else. I was lucky enough to uh, be scouring Twitter, uh, just for my own purposes, when I saw a beta code for Destiny 2 go live. I immediately snagged it, put it into my battle net, and now my computer is downloading Destiny 2 beta for the PC. Um, I'm not a big PC gamer. Um, I don't really wish I was. I've always liked controllers better than mouse and keyboard. And I know for a fact that mouse and keyboard allows for a much higher precision of control than two joysticks and two triggers can ever allow. But I just... I don't like it. The manipulation with my hands just feels weird. The keyboard always feels awkward. And I'm... I spend most of my time in front of a computer. Like, I know how computers work. I just can't game on them for the most part. And it probably hasn't helped that most of my PCs, when I do try to game on them, end up dying in horrific manners. Uh, my first college laptop suffered a catastrophic meltdown, quite literally, when the graphics card fused with its motherboard, completely, like, destroying the computer. Um, and it was because I had been playing Mass Effect 3 on it, or at least attempting to. Um, <laughs> I don't recommend that. Uh, my latest laptop is much more powerful and much more up-to-date, and I'm thankful for that. It should be able to run the Destiny 2 PC beta pretty flawlessly. And I feel like next episode we're gonna talk more about mouse and keyboard versus controller, just from like a ergonomics and engineering standpoint, because that's fascinating, but I wanted to allude to it uh, right now, because it's on my mind. I'm watching it download. It's really fun. <laughs> um, just thinking about the fact that I get to come back to Destiny 2 content tomorrow. I have a problem. I, I'm aware of it, but it's just... It's been one of those months. The world is just in a weird place. I'm in a weird place, and this game has given me something to ground myself with. And I feel like once I have it, and once I have 120 hours of it, into my system, I will be able to, like, get back to normal, but, you know, when you want something, when you are waiting for something, I guess is the better way to say it. It's, it's hard to think about everything else, especially when you have this perception of, like, earning it. Like, being ahead of your work deadlines, being ahead of your, your grad school deadlines, like, I've, I've done everything I can to make sure that when Destiny 2 launches, I can just relax because I didn't have a summer vacation. Um, and getting a chance to like have another like glimpse into what my relaxation is going to be is just really calming as I continue to do quality assurance testing and look at grad school discussion boards and shake my head because sometimes I wonder why people think that that is the right thing to say to particular conversations. Um, we'll get to that never. Um, but yeah, PC beta next week. It's, it's 
going to be a thing. We're going to talk about it. And it's going to be good times. And I'm, I'm really excited just to see how it plays with the different setup and how I manage to play with it. So um, I imagine that I'm going to suck. And that's going to be, you know, episode fodder of nothing else. So, next week is the PC beta. Gonna be a lot of fun. We're gonna get a couple days with that. And then the week after is launch. And, oh god, I'm, I'm way too excited for launch. Um, I have my clan set up. We have a banner. We have an awesome motto. We have an awesome clan description. Uh, I have three days off that lead into the weekend. And... I plan on spending most of my waking moments working on progressing throughout uh, Destiny 2. Uh, there is a lot that I need to do, there's a lot that I want to do, and it's exciting. And it's... Uh, you can hear my enthusiasm and this is why we started this podcast many many months ago was because I couldn't really contain being a fanboy, and I don't want to contain being a fanboy, so once the Destiny 2 hits, once we get to that, um, you'll be hearing a lot more of my voice, for better or for worse, and we'll be trying to continue uh, sharing joy with the world because, you know, that's what we really aim to do here at a podcast without light, is try to bring light back to things. So, um, yeah, we'll talk tomorrow, and I hope this could brighten your day, audience.